నమస్తే వెల్కమ్ టు అదర్ ఎపిసోడ్ ఆఫ్ పర్సెవరెన్స్ ఐఏఎస్ పాడ్కాస్ట్ వీక్లీ ఏ వీక్లీ రౌండ్ అప్ ఆఫ్ ఆల్ ద ఇంపార్టెంట్ న్యూస్ ఐటమ్స్ ఫర్ కాంపిటేటివ్ ఎగ్జామ్స్ లెట్ ఇస్ గెట్ ఇన్ టు ద ఫస్ట్ ఆర్టికల్ వితౌట్ ఎనీ ఫర్దర్ డిలే ద ఫస్ట్ న్యూస్ ఐటమ్ ఫర్ దిస్ వీక్ ఈజ్ ఇన్ రిగార్డ్స్ టు సింథటిక్ బయాలజీ అండ్ ఇట్స్ ఇంప్లికేషన్స్ ఫర్ నేషనల్ సెక్యూరిటీ సో వెన్ యూ టాక్ అబౌట్ సింథటిక్ బయాలజీ లెట్ ఇస్ అండర్స్టాండ్ వాట్ సింథటిక్ బయాలజీ ఇట్ సెల్ఫ్ ఈజ్ Synthetic biology is a revolutionary concept or a technology that has been developing for the past few weeks and had reached a midway point in its potential or in its developmental phase that helps humans to manipulate biolo- biological organisms for betterment of human species see that is the idea behind the concept of synthetic biology the idea is to manipulate biological organisms to treat patients synthetic biology operates on the principles of reengineering cells that is the primary focus of synthetic biology the idea is to reengineer and reprogram cells so the idea is to help in tre- uh, developing treatments where conventional treatment doesn't work that is the use of synthetic biology let us take the example of alzheimers alzheimers there is, there are hundreds and thousands of uh, uh, researchers uh, experiments that are being conducted majority of the success in treatment particularly related to alzheimers is coming out of synthetic biology experiments or experiments is a wrong word synthetic biology research now this is where they are seeing great success where reengineering of cells in this alzheimer's case neurons is giving some positive and hopeful results that is how synthetic biology should be used for for betterment of human species and the entire world in this case yes so i am being little bit uh, agnostic here let us move on so the problem with the the rapid phase of development of synthetic biology or the processes of synthetic biology where manipulation of organic matter is being done the flip side of it is bad people using it for bad things that is the simplest way that i can put it so let me give a little bit of professionalism to that statement with the rapid development and adoption of synthetic biology there is a possibility that certain people or certain countries certain actors non state and state actors might deliberately use it for wrong reasons or they might deliberately misuse it that is the worry here for example we have the covid-19 pandemic for the past few months since pandemic's inception there has been a large section of scientists in the world who are saying that the virus that we are currently experiencing or the pandemic that we are currently experiencing that had resulted in loss of 4 million people uh, losing their lives some unknown billions and trillions of dollars of economic uh, um, collapse or cost might have been an accidental leak from an lab in wuhan in china so that is the lab leak theory in future also there is a possibility that some experimental pathogens that are being studied and experimented on might leak due to human error 
or somebody might deliberately leak to cause harm to others that is the biggest scare and worry out of synthetic biology so what is the problem here that is the problem here the other part of the problem is unlike its dangerous cousin that is nuclear domain synthetic biology doesn't have many safeguards in place let us look at at the nuclear material or nuclear domain there are hundreds of treaties there are hundreds of organizations ngos and government instituted organizations there are hundreds of observers and scientists working round the clock to ensure safety with nuclear domain there are agreements in place there are conventions in place there are organizations in place that monitor all things nuclear happening in the world that is not or that cannot be said same with synthetic biology you know what is the latest thing that happened with synthetic biology it happened in 1994 where an ad hoc group was set up to negotiate a protocol to enhance the transparency of treaty relevant biological facilities and activities 1994 we are in 2021 staring down at 2022 though the btwc which stands for or which talk talks about ban of bioweapons but research for medical purposes and bio defense purposes are allowed that also was negotiated in 1972 btwc stands for biological and toxin weapons convention to conclude this the field of synthetic biology is not going to go anywhere soon the only way that it is going to go is up meaning more technologies are going to be developed in a more rapid phase the problem is there is no proper regulation or monitoring or surveillance on what technologies are being developed who are developing it and what these technologies are being used for what is the need of the r the need of the r is to develop certain conventions organizations treaties and protocols to monitor regulate and defend in certain cases prevent certain leaps happening in the field of synthetic biology coming to india the problem with india is there is nothing to protect us from biological warfare yes there are certain organizations certain uh, defenses in place but we have poor disease surveillance there is a clear cut case of insufficient coordination among government departments that are interested with these jobs to monitor detect surveil prevent what not but nobody talks uh, there is a lack of uh, communication between those departments which results to mismanagement and lack of coordinations particularly with biosecurity issues and whatever the institutions that are interested with dealing these kinds of diseases and biosafety particularly and biosecurity threats they don't talk with one another that is the major issue with india being so vulnerable what india needs right now is to develop a great deal of infrastructure and protocols in disease surveillance to improve coordinations between various departments or come out with an entirely new department that is that sole job is to monitor 
and develop uh, schemes and protocols for biosecurity or biosecurity biosafety and biosecurity threats and come out with new institutions and fund institutions and fund on research to conduct research in the areas of biosecurity and biosafety that is the only way that india can sustain for future pandemics if we don't learn with this pandemic next pandemic isn't going to be any different than what it is right now moving on to the next one cyber attack reveals vulnerabilities in critical infrastructure to simplify this in the past few months america has been experiencing a large scale of cyber attacks at high levels of governance and private companies so the technical term is strategic targets and military targets and civilian targets so these state and non state actors were primarily targeting military targets and targets of strategic importance with cyber attacks or cyber warfare few years back there has been or there we observed a clear shift in this attack pattern meaning instead of attacking only military and strategically important target uh, sites or assets these hackers are going after civilian targets also and particularly the most favorite of these people is ransomware attack so what they do they attack a private company they hold all of that private data company as uh, ransom and if the ransom is paid the data is released otherwise the data is lost forever causing a huge financial cost on the company itself and the economy of the country depending on the size of the company that is being held for ransom so whatever the defenses countries that countries have deployed or developed till now were entirely or primarily primarily focusing on protecting military and strategically important assets they never bothered or majority of the concentration was con- uh, directed toward towards these two assets only though there were certain safeguards but much importance was not given to civilian targets look at the recent case of attacks where a pipeline a critical pipeline that supplies oil to a certain part of america a large part of america was attacked and held for ransomware and the entire supply chain or the oil supply chain for that entire uh, region was disrupted because of this cyber attack at the end of the day the company had to pay ransom to these hackers to get or regain control of their systems so this is the problem with cyber attacks now we have to think in terms of not only defending military targets we also have to think about defending civilian targets now when you talk about civilian targets civilian targets also involve healthcare structure healthcare infrastructure and critical other critical infrastructure now we need to protect ourselves from these kinds of attacks in these areas also the problem with this is we don't think in long term planning so when i talk about critical infrastructure one is healthcare second is financial and banking these two if these two are compromised your entire economy and your entire civilian population will get into a tailspin if the healthcare is compromised there will be untold devastation on the healthcare sector 
and it will directly have an impact on economy. If economy or financial institutions are hacked, there would be devastation on the entire country because your entire economy is in being held for ransom. So I may be exaggerating a bit, but that is a possibility and that is a reality. We have seen in recent one of the best examples is the ransomware attack or a cyber attack on electric department of Maharashtra. Gazing on the response from state government and the central government, you can clearly see the lack of coordination and lack of uh, transparency in the entire proceedings. I am not trying to comment on anybody. From that, we can understand how disorganized our entire response ecosystem is to such attacks. So, what India needs right now is to develop and deploy new countermeasures to cyber warfare on civilian front and on military front. We need to protect both the assets and that too equally. Now what is the way forward here? What, what is the solution here? Now the solution is to we need to understand where these attacks are coming from and what kinds of attacks are being made on Indian infrastructures. That is one. The second thing is we need to develop new methodologies to develop uh, to protect ourselves from future cyber attacks. That is two. Third is we need to have certain safeguards in place such as data protection and we need to deploy systems internally and in in a fashion that ensures that if and when a breach happens, a complete breach doesn't happen. So at least a partial or short, a small percentage of data is lost but the majority is protected and remains safe. That is where this concept called zero trust based environment comes into play. Now cyber security, cyber security experts are talking about this zero trust based environment meaning zero trust on endpoint devices, zero trust on the network itself and zero trust on the identity itself. So it's a zero trust meaning the data or the data part that is being sent doesn't trust any part of the transmission line and it protects itself from any vulnerabilities hence the data is secure. What India should do right now to repeat myself is again is we need to use technology such as artificial intelligence and machine learning to continuously evolve te- uh, systems to protect our cyber security uh, our infrastructures military and civilian and come up with a new cyber security doctrine to protect our country. So moving on to the next article, India's investment in research unsatisfactory according to UNESCO report. So the UNESCO report is a report that studies how countries are spending on research. So the UNESCO science report is a global monitoring report that is regularly published by United Nations Educational Scientific and Cultural Organization. So what is their uh, mandate is every five years they release uh, reports mapping all the latest trends that are happening in a nation. And they at the same time they study the regional framework or regional developments also latest technologies in a particular region also. 
India has the lowest gross domestic expenditure on research to GDP ratios, particularly among the BRICS nations and in the world, according to this report. According to the report, we only spend 0.7% of the gross domestic expenditure on research compared to GDP. Meaning, we spend only 0.7% on research and development when compared to our GDP. Is that a policy problem? No, India has a very good policy on spending on research and development. India adopted a policy in 2003 that stated that we are going to spend 2% of our GDP on research and development by end of 2007. What happened in 2018 or sorry, uh, in 2013 itself after 10 years, they said that that 2007 was little bit unfeasible. So we'll push back that number to 2020, uh, sorry, uh, 2022. So we simply shifted our goalpost. Again in 2020, a task, for, a task force was constituted to study this issue. They came out and said that in order to be realistic about our goals on spending on research, we have to push back that idea or that uh, concept to 2030 so we had three changes currently we don't spend too much on i think it's less than one person that we spend on gdp the problem is the government is not interested in spending in r d that is the major issue whatever the r d that we are seeing right now comes from private sector private sector operates under the assumptions of profits so when private sector when private sector is investing in r d they are definitely going to invest in places where they see high return or high percentage of profits in return. So they don't talk about non-profit or non-strategic sectors. When you look at the data, you can clearly see where these private sector people are investing. They are highly investing in telecommunications. They are highly investing in automobile and they are highly investing in pharmaceuticals. These three are high, high return industries and growth sectors. So that is where they invest R&D. What about other sectors? So this discrepancy is not good for Indian economy or Indian research ecosystem. So that is the problem here. That is the UNESCO report. Uh, it clearly states that there is a bridge in our policy framework where we are spending very little on research and that is going to impact adversely of our future growth and development. Now moving on to the next article, now scientists are building a new experiment to study stars or study the sky, meaning conduct a survey of sky. This particular experiment is called FESIFE, meaning polar areas, stellar imaging in polarization, high accuracy experiment. So what that is the full uh, expansion of FESIFE. But in reality, Fesife is inspired from the daughter of Helios, the sun god. In Greek mythology, sun god, that is Helios' daughter, is called Fesife. Now, the idea behind Fesife is to study polarization of very faint stars and capture them using polarization techniques. Now, they want to use this 
specific experiment to study both north and southern skies simultaneously and build a complete picture of the sky and understand the polarization and of the starlights themselves in order to achieve this they are using a new instrument called wallop wallop is nothing but a polarimeter instrument that is used to capture polarization data that is specific the idea is to measure starlight polarization over large areas of the sky now let us get back into the wallop wallop stands for wide area linear optical polarimeter it is an instrument that is mounted on two small optical telescopes and it will be used to detect a polarized light signals that emanate from stars in the sky this is to help to build a panoramic background of the sky itself and understand the origin of these stars to get a better understanding of our cosmos moving to the next article a new species of tree was found in india now this tree is called rostria lalji it is a 15 meter tall tree that belongs to coffee family and has been discovered in andaman islands by a research team comprising of indians and philippines that is i repeat again rostria spelling p y r o s t r a l a l j double i so moving on to the next article what is open market sale scheme omss so omm omss open market sale scheme refers to selling of food grains by the government or government agencies at a set price in open market from time to time now the idea behind this scheme is to regulate the supply of wheat and rice during lean market season and try to control the prices of these items through supply of wheat and rice from food corporation of india now the present omss open market sale scheme has three components or three schemes under this banner one is sale of wheat to bulk customers sorry consumers slash private traders through e auction that is one scheme i repeat the present omms comprises of three schemes one is sale of wheat to bulk consumers or bulk private traders through e auction so the second aspect of the scheme is sale of wheat to bulk consumers or private traders through e auction by dedicated movement The third and final aspect of OMSS scheme is sale of raw rice that is grade A rice to bulk consumers or private traders through e-auction. These are the important aspects of OMMS scheme. The other are little bit okay but these are the three what are the three components is far more important than any other information. Moving on to the next article the question of cryptocurrency Recently cryptocurrency has been in news a lot because of Elon Musk and El Salvador. 
El Salvador became the first country in the world to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. Without getting into other discussions, let us understand the Indian situation. What is the Indian situation? So between 2013 and 2018, government was very vague and hostile towards cryptocurrencies. The government at every stage responded with same answers that people should be cautionary towards cryptocurrencies and was alerting people of the pitfalls and dangers of cryptocurrency and transactions associated with it. Finally, in, our, in 2008, uh, 2018, RBI decided that we are going to impose ban on cryptocurrency, particularly cryptocurrency trading. Again, this framework or this um, ban that RBI imposed was overturned, overturned by Supreme Court in 2020. And the court clearly specified that instead of banning them, why don't or why doesn't the government or RBI come out with a regulatory framework to regulate cryptocurrency trading or cryptocurrencies themselves in India? So, India is currently considering or in the process of drafting a draft cryptocurrency and regulation of official digital currency bill of 2021. Now, from all aspects of this bill, it is proposing to criminalize all private cryptocurrencies while laying down the framework for an RBI-backed digital currency that is digital rupee. I'll repeat, the draft cryptocurrency regulation of official digital currency bill in 2021 criminalizes private cryptocurrencies while laying down the regulatory framework for an RBI-backed digital currency. Now, what is the solution here? India needs to adopt a very flexible stance and use cryptocurrencies and its underlying blockchain technology to its own advantage. An outright ban of this technology and this particular ecosystem does not uh, indicate a right frame of mindset for Indian government. India needs to, as I said earlier, adopt a flexible stance. Moving on to the next article, Nafed launched a fortified rice bran oil. The Department of Food and Public Distribution launched a new fortified rice bran oil called Nafed rice bran or Nafed fortified rice bran oil. The new fortified oil will have additional nutrients and vitamins. Why is why is Nafed launching a new oil? The idea behind this oil is to reduce country's dependence on importing of edible oil in future. Now they want to provide opportunities for Indian edible oil manufacturers and also give a boost to our own uh, self-sufficiency that is Atmanirbhar uh, in this particular domain.
Moving on to the next article, loss of safe harbor for Twitter. Now, because of non-compliance of new IT rules themselves, it seems that the government has withdrew the safe harbor immunity that Twitter had that was given to or that is extended to social media platforms. It seems that Twitter, after failing to meet the appoint uh, the statutory limitation, uh, sorry, after it failed to meet the mandated rules of new IT rules 2021, Twitter has lost its intermediary status. Now, what is this intermediary or safe harbor rule? Now, social media companies are granted certain immunity under section 79 of the IT Act. What, is, what does this section say? Section 79 of IT Act of 2000 says that an intermediary shall not be liable for any third party information, data or communication link made available or hosted by him therefore providing a safe protection or a legal protection from legal action or criminal action. That is the immunity that is extended to these intermediaries under section 79 of IT Act of 2000. Now when you translate into layman's term, intermediaries like Twitter or your internet service providers cannot be punished for users' misuse of the infrastructure of these companies. Now, IT rules do not say that you can ban companies because of non-compliance, but it is actionable. The best example is Uttar Pradesh government deciding to file a complaint on Twitter for some misinformation that was spread with communal angle recently. We don't, we are not going to discuss about it, but now it seems that section 979 of IT Act of 2000, which provides safe harbor to intermediaries has been withdrew to Twitter. Remember the act, remember the IT rules. Now moving on to the next article, India to launch deep ocean mission. Now. The union cabinet has finally approved the ever long pending deep ocean mission since 2018. Now the interesting aspect of this is Ministry of Earth Sciences is going to be the nodal agency. The plan is to use a explorer that is being built by ISRO to explore deep oceans for commercial exploitation and research. Now, this involves six major components. First component, development of technologies for deep sea mining and manned submersible. What is this? A manned submersible will be developed by ISRO to carry three people to the depths of 6000 meters with scientific sensors to conduct experiments and conduct collected data not conduct but collected data the other component of this is 
developing of integrated mining systems that will allow India to mine polymetallic nodules that are situated 6000 meters in the Indian Central Ocean, sorry, Central Indian Ocean. The second component is development of ocean climate change advisory services. Now this is a part of blue economy which is um, a priority area of coastal tourism. The third component is technological innovations for exploration and conservation of deep sea biodiversity. The fourth deep ocean survey and exploration where the primary objective is to identify sites for potential exploitation of hydrothermal sulfides in the Indian Ocean ridges. Now the fifth energy and fresh water from the ocean. Now the idea is to design offshore thermal energy conversions which are which power desalination plant currently development phase proof of concept also being built. The sixth and final is advanced marine station for ocean biology. This component is important because we are trying to develop human assets or build human knowledge in understanding ocean biology and ocean engineering. That is the mission. These are the six components of the mission of oceans. Moving on to the next article, National Maritime Heritage Complex. A National Maritime Heritage Complex is being developed in Lothal region of Gujarat. Now, the National Maritime Heritage Complex will be made within the ASI site of Lothal that is located 80 kilometers from Ahmedabad in Gujarat. That's the news. Moving on to the next World Competitiveness Ranking of 2021. Now India has managed to get rank 43 in the World Competitiveness Ranking by a Switzerland based institution called Institution for Management Development IMD. India's rank has been 43 for the past three years. It hasn't, it hasn't gone up or came down. It has been stagnant at 43 for last three years. The, the institute or the organization that is based in Switzerland that gives out these rankings is Institute for Management Development. Now, the ranking itself ranks 64 economies on various parameters. This ranking primarily examines four factors. One, economic performance. Two, government efficiency. Three, business efficiency. And four, infrastructure. These are the four parameters where this rankings operate from. Now, India has maintained the 43rd rank for the past three years. But this year, it had made significant improvements in government efficiency. This has been Perseverance IAS Weekly for this week. Thank you for listening. Please tune in for the next week. Do subscribe to our channel. 
थैंक यू नमस्ते